Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the second part, Raymond, of our 49ers gold dive into the 2019 season. This is a 2019 season celebration is what this is. Even though it did not end the way we wanted, we still wanted to celebrate what an incredible turnaround after patiently waiting for two years for Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and Jimmy G to make good on the promise that they could turn this team around. We finally got our season in the most shocking of fashions. And even though it didn't end the way we wanted it to, Raymond and I still felt that this season was worth celebrating and we would not let it go into the night without one last look at what was, in general, overall, a phenomenal season. Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know where can they find us to talk about part two of our 2019 Gold Dive? You can always like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly like to hear from you. And we always and most definitely want to get your take on your favorite parts of this past season. All the way up until the point of the season, which we will not talk about. That's a great point. We will not be going over the Super Bowl. We just don't see a point. This is all about the season up to that. So that's what this is about. Raymond, now if they want to talk to you directly about about these games where can they find you you can always find me on twitter at ray solis that's r-a-y-s-o-l-i-s and on instagram at ray solis one that's the number one not the spelling yeah and you can find me on instagram and twitter at i am rudy third i am rudy three r d all right here we go gang This is it, the second part. This part of our gold dive will cover weeks 9 through 17, the second half of the season. We'll be covering the playoffs in our third and final episode. And, of course, giving our gold dive awards, which we always do when we do a gold dive. We'll be doing it for the entire season. But here it is, the second part. Get ready, because the greatest panelist in the game, he's in the building. Your professor of fanalism, I'm right here. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! All right, Ray. Here we go. We're moving in to the second half of our Gold Dive. For those of you who are newer to the Gold Cast, Gold Dives are episodes where we do deep dives into games, moments, uh, players, anything, that, any, any moment of history that is worthy of note for our teams, the 49ers, the Warriors, and the Giants. This one is going to be the second half of our gold dive into the 2019 season that just passed. If you want to hear the previous one, just go two episodes back just before our all-decade team two-parter, and you can hear the first half of this episode on that 
feed. So check that out. It's on the same feed right here on the Goldcast. Just scroll down two episodes back, and you can see the 49ers regular season, uh, 2019 season celebration part one on, on here, on this feed. Now, Raymond, let's begin. We're going to be kind of switching it up, doing a little bit deeper dives because the second half of the season is pretty exciting. Um, so we're going to be going a little bit more in-depth on the bigger games. But let's start, Raymond, with Week 9. Week 9, we were at Arizona. Uh, the Vegas odds had Niners at minus 10.5, so obviously they, they were pretty confident in our ability to win. This game happened on Halloween. And for those of you who didn't know, I was at a major SAG after event, Ray, and I was dressed as Elliot from E.T. I had the red hoodie. What's what's SAG after for those who don't know? Ah, uh, for those who don't know, that is the Actors Guild that every actor you admire, and that's in every movie you love. That's the union that we're all in. So, uh, thank you for uh, asking, Ray. So that's that. We, we there's a big SAG event that I was part of the committee group that was throwing it. I was dressed as Elliot from E.T. We were supposed to be wearing. Um, uh, Halloween outfits, and so that's that's what I was. This is that's what I was for Halloween, and this was the Halloween game, quote unquote. All right, so this game was hyped AF, and Raymond, I have a name for this game. I call this game Thriller Night on a San Francisco boat party in Arizona. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> so why don't you break break down this game for the people, Ray? Well, I thought uh, the interesting thing was that the Arizona Cardinals acquired uh, Kenyon Drake in a trade from the Miami Dolphins because they had running back issues coming into this contest. And I thought, like, oh, man, he's got, like, you know, a week. I think it was, like, a a week turnaround or something like that, even less than that to come around. I thought, like, man, this is going to be – this should be pretty good. And and you even I don't know if you remember this or maybe you do in fantasy you decided to play him which I thought was really risky against and I picked him up I picked him up the second he got traded yeah yeah against a, a top flight defense I just thought top flight defense you know they are at home but at the same time but he has to travel to there and get acquainted with the playbook and then play that day. Um, you know, and we didn't even know what the snap count was going to be. But anyways, Kenyon Drake actually had a really good game against the San Francisco 49ers, and he actually opened up the game with uh, this a big he had a um, he had a monster run early in the game and then ended up getting a 30 yard touchdown uh, in the uh, uh, in the opening uh, series, I believe it was. But Jimmy Garoppolo answered right back and instead of running the ball, which the Arizona Cardinals were anticipating because this was this game was right after the Carolina Panthers 51-13 whomping and a lot of that was the running game just steamrolling so they were anticipating that but instead Kyle Shanahan came out with the exact opposite game plan which was to throw the ball so the first series Jimmy went uh 5 for 5 and scored a touchdown on that on that opening drive and although we also and then in this game we also had another touchdown called back by a flag which was the sixth touchdown called back by a flag committed by the 49ers offense so many this season so many up up to that season yeah this week nine so this is only eight games in so you know through eight games six touchdowns called back almost a touchdown a game 
three of them were from George Kittle. George Kittle easily could have had eight or ten touchdowns this season. And a way bigger, way bigger fantasy presence in the first half of the season if we're since we were you since you mentioned fantasy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he still did good in fantasy. He still was like uh, him between him and Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. You were in good company in terms of fantasy tight ends. There's only like three or four that were really worth keeping on your roster game in and game out. But that's uh, another podcast that doesn't exist called uh, the Goldcast Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Almost sounds like an adult film. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think th- this game was really back and forth where, you know, the the first quarter was neck and neck. It was 7-7, but by the second quarter, you know, uh, San Francisco really pulled away, getting 21-7. And then in the second half, uh, Arizona came back to bring it into one possession. And then Niners scored another touchdown to make it 28-14, which was a 21-yard pass from Jimmy Garoppolo to Dante Pettis. And uh, at that point, the Niners would not score again. This is six minutes left in the third quarter. And the Niners would not never score at all. And Arizona would come in with a field goal and a touchdown and get a third possession to try to to try to win the game. But it didn't work out. I mean, and and the and the bomb to Dante Pettis, by the way, that was the infamous touchdown throw that where uh where Dante Pettis did uh, the thriller celebration dance the very appropriately timed thriller celebration dance it was, it was pretty awesome that was the best that's why i named this that's part of the inspired what inspired the name for this game the title yeah and by the way all these games are available on the NFL what's it called the NFL game pass yeah the game pass which is awesome they have the they have three different versions of the game there's the original broadcast, so the whole the four quarters. Then there's the condensed version, which kind of just highlights all of the best plays throughout all four quarters. And then there's the radio version if you just want to hear Greg Papa. Pretty awesome. And in fact, because you can play, I would I would if you really want to go that route and look at the whole game, I would open up two tabs so that you can hear Greg Papa and then mute the 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 original uh, the video the the video broadcast mute the video broadcast and then synchronize it with greg papa and that and that's probably the best way to do it whoa yeah. you because just... you, you can do that you can open up two tabs you don't have to deal with the fact that the tv broadcast will always be um purposefully um desynced from the radio broadcast so people don't do that that's uh that's pretty good Wow, Raymond! Now I have to go back and do it uh, the the like in and out secret menu style. Yeah, exactly. And so you gotta love the internet being having that kind of flexibility. But yeah, this game was uh, this was a great game because Jimmy really came out slinging. That seemed to be the game plan all along, and it worked. It worked beautifully. Jimmy G threw for over three hundred yards. Uh, air t- compared to Arizona's 204 by Kyler Murray. And the, the Niners were just prepared. I mean, they, they did, Arizona did run the ball really well. It was only 23 carries for 153 yards. That's a good day of rushing. I mean, we got 101 yards off of 31 carries, so it wasn't wasn't a, a horrible effort on our side of the football. But at the same time, you know, Jimmy, I thought, was really good. He He didn't have any picks. He had... Four touchdowns. He was four and zero over three hundred yards. 
So this is a total Jimmy Garoppolo game. And we kept the win streak going. We improved to 8-0. For sure. All right, let's move over to Week 10. Now, Raymond, this was the game they were saying, again, was going to be the true test of the 49ers. This is something we just heard over and over and over again. The other popular phrase we heard was the moving goalposts of which game was going to be, which game was the actual real test for the 49ers. We, we, we never really, we never really knew. And so, you know, whatever, whatever, every time we thumped one of these great teams, the second a new great team would show up, they go, no, 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 no. This is the real test. That team is actually not that great. And uh, this was, this was without a doubt a goalpost that we knew wasn't going to move. Seattle uh, was coming in pretty hot. They were eight and two. And uh, they were they or seven seven and two at the time. Oh yeah, seven and two at the time. Yeah, seven and two at the time. The, and uh, we we were uh, eight and zero. And so this was a true true test of, of of with the 49ers. I remember this game being pretty hyped as a we were hyped as a fan base. The overall confidence was very high that we could beat Seattle this year. And this to me was the opening. Of the gauntlet, even though the gauntlet is the, the game, the three games that everyone considers the, to be the gauntlet, to me, the actual gauntlet, the first round of the gauntlet begins with Seattle and it ends with Seattle, and the main event is actually in the middle. But uh, noticeably absent Raymond during this game was Shanahan's Scarlet Niners cap. I think that's really important. He was rocking the Army Green one because it was like the tribute to the troops month, and so here he was rocking that cap instead of. The red scarlet Niners cap, the most popular 49ers cap that in the, like the last 10 years. Uh, and I think that this was, uh, I think this is part of it. It's part of why we lost. I have no proof of this. There's actually no statistical evidence to prove that wearing an army camo hat will affect a Niners game. But it did this season, Raymond. It absolutely did. So the the overall analysis of this game was mixed uh vegas had us it's like i said six and a half point favorites so they were pretty confident we could beat them uh, i have a name for this game raymond and the name for this game is rick flair's underpants ouch yeah because this ended in a pile of shit <laughs> ended in a pile of shit <laughs> here we go that's one way to describe that's, it that's that's absolutely absolutely so let's talk about this uh, both defenses came out with something to prove. The, the Niners managed to get three on the board. Jimmy is sacked and then and has an interception called back. But at this point, we're only we're uh, we we're a rookie. We have a rookie kicker in because Robbie Gould is out, and this is important. It's Chase, Chase McLaughlin. He hits a forty-three yard field goal uh, and puts us up on the board. Wilson gets sacked on his first drive. Seattle has to punt. Uh, Sanders, Coleman, and with a little help from Depot, they keep the next drive alive. Coleman is just gashing Seattle up the middle with Sanders and Debo killing him on the inside slants. Kendrick Bourne finishes the drive off with a pass from Jimmy G for a touchdown. Niners jump to an early lead, 10-0. Seattle's forced to punt again. Okay, second quarter. Second quarter is pretty much known by one major play. Jadavion Clowney has a strip sack. 10-yard fumble return for a touchdown that breathes a whole new life into the Seattle Seahawks. This was the moment that really changed for them. Uh, Then at the end of the second quarter, DK Metcalf 
almost gives the Seattle the lead with a huge run into the end zone, but Jaquiski Tart strips him of the ball at the one-yard line, the most cut clutch play, and it would not be the last time that we steal Seattle's hopes and dreams at the one-yard line this season. But this was the first. DK Metcalf getting so close. Do you remember that play, Raymond? He's right there, and then Tart just comes in and strips him literally right at the goal line. Yeah, that was amazing. That was an incredible play. Third quarter. Seattle fumbles the ball right on their opening drive. Both teams are applying a lot of pressure to each quarterback. I mean, it's like it's hit after hit. It's rush after rush. It's sack after sack. It was like each each offensive line allowed like four sacks in this yeah, game. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit about that, Raymond. How impressed were you by this by these two defenses? In in rewatching it again, this 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 game uh you know 27-24 pretty average scoring game for for an for an NFL game but the this game was pure defense both games i would categorize as being really physically physically brutal games i mean definitely shades of the old Harbaugh Carroll Carroll days what do you think about the, what what do you have to say about the defenses in both these um on this game in particular well i'm never impressed with anything seattle does so that's one thing <laughs> Absolutely. That's the right I thought answer. our defense played great despite the fact that we were already starting to miss some pieces due to, you know, just injuries on the defensive side. We lost uh, at, at this point, Akella Witherspoon is still not, he's, he's still absent who was playing well up to the point when, before he got injured. And we also were missing Quan Alexander, who was very, a very complimentary and, terrific piece to have inside uh adjacent to fred war fred warner over there uh, fred warner it, uh, let me just sidebar right here when i watched all these games one of the players that really stood out to me the most was fred warner right he had a, he had a pro bowl season he, he like straight up played out of his mind in every game he was all over the place and this game was no different he had 10 10 combined tackles nine solo tackles two tfls two quarterback hits and a forced fumble he was all over the place he really does fred warner really sticks out jimmy ward really sticks out i jimmy ward's awesome uh, when a dj jones is in there he makes he makes his impact known every time he's on the on the field those three guys are three guys i really noticed a lot through the season and DJ Jones is coming back. So is Ward, and so is, of course, Fred Warner. And people are people are sleeping. People are sleeping. Yeah, obviously we we won't be able to. Buckner's going to be the one piece that we're going to have to figure out. You know how that gets fixed. Who comes in? Who steps up? I wish Solomon Thomas would become the player that we drafted him to be, but I'm not sure at this point. But who knows? You know, Eric Armstead was a late bloomer. There, there's still hope for Solomon Thomas. But yeah, defensively, this was good. I thought this was Jadavion Clowney's both games that he played for this team. This game in particular, though, was his best game of the whole season. He yeah. was largely a disappointment uh, for this team. That's why they let him go. I thought that uh, I thought when they got Jadavion Clowney that that was a huge boost to their defense. But he just really didn't. He just really didn't do anything. He didn't do anything much of the season. They got a couple of veterans. I thought Clay Matthews played well up until when he like broke his jaw and couldn't play because he's just not as durable as he used to be. 
But I think that, uh, that yeah, this was by far Jadavion Clowney's best game. And when he's at his best, he's just a menace just because his, his size and his speed is just insane. It's 6'5", 255. He's linebacker, you know, and he's lean. He's, so he's all speed and power. So he's yeah. a terrific player. And he's been, he was, went, went to back-to-back Pro Bowls before going over to, uh, or three straight Pro Bowls before moving over to Seattle last season. But he just didn't do anything outside of this game. He only had three sacks all season, and I think two of those sacks were in these Niner games. Wow, I didn't just realize was not, that. Not this, yeah, he was insane. I mean, his Pro Bowl year, he had, what, he had like six, nine, and nine sacks in those seasons. And he had 16, 21, 16 in terms of TFL. And it was just a, he was just a kind of a shell of himself. I think because that defense doesn't generate a whole lot of pass rush to begin with. So, you know, coming, coming from a team where you're opposing complementary pieces, JJ Watt, yeah, I think that was part of it. You can see that, you know, Jadavion Clowney's success, some of that is attributed to teams having to account for JJ Watt. And in in this system, you really didn't. There wasn't any other. There was no piece as potent as a JJ Watt on this line. In fact, Jadavion Clowney became was expected to be the JJ Watt, and this was really the the only game where he showed that kind of potential. But other than that, he was kind of nicked up the whole season and just didn't seem to really find his groove in this team and with the system. But uh, unfortunately, he he did. He was a menace in this game. Super annoying. Super annoying. I agree. So back here, we're in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, Niners have the lead 10-7. But Seattle nabs another interception. And this sets up their second TD, which is a three-yard pass. Russell to uh, Russell to Hollister. And uh, now they have the lead 14-10. Jimmy G is stripped at, sacked again by G. Davion Clowney. This leads to another Seattle touchdown. Uh, Chris Carson on a one-yard run, 21-10 in favor of Seattle. Now it's starting to look bleak, and now we head into the fourth quarter. So Niners in general looking pretty rough, uh, scoreless in the third quarter, scoreless in the second quarter. Haven't scored at all since the first quarter of this entire game. Two quarters, straight shutout. Meanwhile, Seattle, seven in the seven in the second, 14 in third, and here they come roaring back in the fourth. The the Niners, though, would not be denied. Our fortunes change on the very first drive uh, when Se- Seattle is sitting here. Niners with a huge strip sack. DeForest Buckner nabs the ball and goes in for a touchdown. Goes in for a touchdown, basically doing what Javion Clowney did to us. We do right back to them, this time with Buckner. We get the two-point conversion. Now the game is much closer. It is now 21-18, still in favor of Seattle. Next drive. Next drive here. The I lost my little place. It was Chase. Uh, that was the Chase McLaughlin live uh, drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next drive. Yeah, the, well, the next drive almost with the Niners almost sends an interception. Trey Flowers gets his hands on it, but is unable to keep it. We tie the game 21-21. Seattle takes the lead back with a field goal of their own, 24-21. Now the Niners have a minute and 45 seconds to either win the game or tie. Two different passes here, Raymond, could have been interception. interceptions. There were two different Jimmy G passes that gave me heart attacks. So close to ending this game right then and there. 
But a quick pass to Coleman keeps the Niners live. 40 seconds left. Niners are now out of timeout. So they get down to the 35, and the rookie, Chase McLaughlin, ties the game with one second left on the clock. This game goes into overtime, baby. Wilson is taken down on his opening drive by Armstead, but he manages to scramble free somehow for positive yardage. Do you remember that? That drove me nuts. He was right there, and it literally looked like he was tackled, and then somehow he stayed on his feet, and he, and he, and he gets forward just a little bit. Russell Wilson manages to escape more pressure and takes the Hawks down to the 15th yard line. But Dre Greenlaw comes up with a super clutch INT and is finally tackled at the 50. And I thought we had this game in the bag, Raymond. I thought we had it. The Niners get in field goal position, but the rookie, Chase McLaughlin, kicks, ends up kicking what has to be one of the worst overtime kicks in Niners history. It wasn't even close, Ray. Do you remember this? It just spirals to the left. I don't know he where had, it was he going. Had three field goals in a row up to that point. Two of them were forty over forty yards. Mm-hmm. Hawks end up taking this the game. The mo- moment just got too big for him. As much as I can't stand Booger McFarlane, he was right uh, with with his take on that. That you know the moment got too big for him, and he just tried too hard. I don't know why everyone doesn't like Booger. I find him hilarious. Everyone hates him, and I don't think he's getting renewed. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed him, but I thought he was funny. But you're right. Hawks end up taking the game 27-24. First loss of the season for the Niners. Uh, Fred Warner played great. Two sacks. Robbie Gold injured. McLaughlin in. And there we are. Kick Kickers matter. As much as people want to disregard that position, it matters. It really does. Raymond, let's move on to week 11 Vegas so here we go tough loss now we're back home playing the Cardinals Vegas spread had us at uh, favorites SF minus 11 I call this game shut the hell up Arizona (laughs) (laughs) Uh, break break this game down for us Ray well the thing that stood out to me was injuries 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 and three pieces were missing that stood out to me no Matt Breida no Ronald Blair and no George Kittle so you have two big offensive weapons that are not present in this game and you have a pivotal rotational piece from the defensive line also not present in this game so those those things and those are important because that this team is so plays so well together that every piece matters defensively and offensively, and you can certainly feel the difference when one of those pieces isn't there, especially a piece as peacocky as George Kittle, not only with the way with his personality and his enthusiasm on the field, but his ability to just play out of his mind every single game. And that was missing. Although Ross Dwelly filled in very nicely for him, I must say. Uh, he he played great, and he got two scores in this game, which was pretty awesome. But uh, but you know, and Jeff Jeff Fulton Jr. actually got the call up. Normally, the return man, uh, he was doing returns this, but he was also running the ball here because we needed him to get in there and run the ball because we were missing our pieces. Tevin Coleman's complimentary piece was not present. And Raheem Mostert, of course, was there too. So, I mean, I just love our, having a stable of running backs is so good, especially the type of running backs that we have. And all four of those pieces will be coming back this com- upcoming season. So that's exciting. 
But uh, J- Jeff Wilson Jr. really got the game going with a big run to set up the 49ers' first touchdown. However, the touchdown, which was caught by Ross Dwelly initially, got called back for a flag, which was the seventh touchdown called back for the season, But which is ridiculous. But anyways, Ross Dwelly ended up getting into the end zone a couple times, like I mentioned, and we ended up building a hefty lead into this game. I thought Kyler Murray played a lot better in this game than he did the first game because they started to do the run pass option and the Niners struggle against really good running quarterbacks. And I think Kyler Murray's a, despite being a rookie, I thought he played really well with his running ability and, and his decision-making. He did not play like a rookie He played more like a, a second year, third year player. You know, he played with competence, seemed to understand his role and didn't make a lot of stupid mistakes I mean, he still made rookie mistakes, but not a not a lot of the mistakes that I see other rookies make. Like, uh, like some those there's some a, a lot more. Like, oh, for example, Carolina, Carolina's quarterback who ends up losing his job, and now he's going to be the backup to Teddy Bridgewater. Kyle Allen, who was great in the first four games, but then just got rocked by San Francisco and just never really recovered and started making dumb mistakes game in and game out, particularly in the turnover margin area. But this game. This was the defense. I thought the defense played a lot better. They shut down Kenyon Drake this time. So Kenyon Drake did not have the same game that he had last time. I mean, Arizona still had 135 rushing yards, but a lot of that is attributed to Kyler Murray's run game because they were now implementing the run pass option into his game and kind of leaning into that. And the other unique thing, too, is the same way that Jimmy G aired it out in the first game, San Francisco had to air it out in this game, but it wasn't by design this time. It was because Arizona took away the running game. No Matt Breda made a difference here. We only had 34 yards on the ground this entire game. Jimmy G ended up throwing for 424 yards in this game. He had to get crazy. And he only got sacked twice. Sacked twice. Which is good, because he had a lot of protection. So this was... This was pretty amazing. He threw four touchdowns. He threw. He did throw two picks. Uh, however, each of those picks could have been caught, in my opinion, if it touches your hands and you allow that ball to get tipped and fly into the defender's fault. I, I think that is the receiver's fault more so than the quarterback. Even though I don't know, that should be a stat. Like when it te- when it when it, it there should be interceptions caused by the quarterback and interceptions caused by the receiver. That should be a stat because I would say fifty percent. Fifty percent of the of the interceptions this this year that happened that happened to Jimmy G, not because of Jimmy G. They happened to him. How many times do we see some receiver bobble it off of his fingers and then it lands in someone else's hands? And literally fifty percent of those interceptions. Yeah, exactly. And and you know that was just a kid. That was just that's how I feel. I, I think there should be a stat that separates that because why are why are quarterbacks? charged with an error that wasn't their error because there's even more egregious cases of interceptions that should have been caught but the player the player the receiver made the error like in baseball in baseball the errors are very specific you know it's not like the ball gets it's like the batter gets charged with an error because he hit the ball a certain way and the, the fielder didn't get it it's just anyways it should be more like baseball in my opinion but i think uh you know uh juice tech got was really involved in the passing game i loved it um i felt bad for him because he 
got to the three yard line like three different times and couldn't get into the end zone. They just kept stopping him. But uh, I'd say that my favorite part of this was when Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson Jr. came in for one play and it was the uh, Jeff and remember Jeff Wilson Jr. opened up the game with a big return off the kick return. But then he got called in to play on play as uh, he actually called, called into a play. I, I made a mistake or I misspoke earlier when I said that he was involved in the running game. He wasn't. It was Raheem Mostert. But Jeff Wilson Jr. came in for one play and it ended up being the game winning touchdown because this game went toe to toe. Arizona played a lot better the second time around. But in the end, it really came down to one play and Jimmy G doing Jimmy G magic things. And it was a 25-yard pass from Jimmy to Jeff Wilson for the game-winning score, which put us up 30-26. to 26. And then, to add insult to injury, on the ensuing drive, the Arizona Cardinals tried to do like a flea flicker play, which ironically we ended up trying to do in the Falcons game and ended up succumbing to the same result, where they tried to do a lateral pass and and then the ball got scrambled around and DJ Reed ended up getting it and walking into the end zone to bump the score up from 30, 30 to 36 to 26. So it, even though it looks like we kind of had a decisive win, it, that last score was kind of a garbage time touchdown where Arizona was really just desperately trying to, you know, make a Hail Mary play and it didn't work. And that same bug came back to bite us in the, in the Atlanta game, which we'll obviously get to. But a win is a win. A win is a win. Thank you. That was a, yeah, that end was actually sweet. All right. So here we go, Raymond. These next three weeks were the toughest three weeks any team in NFL history has ever gone, have to gone through. And let me specify that just a little bit further. The reason for that is because no team has ever had to go against three teams in a row with a winning percentage of over 800, 800 or more this late into the season. And this run was being touted as everyone as the gauntlet. This is, I'm not sure who coined the phrase. I don't know who the first person was, but this became known as the gauntlet or the gauntlet run. Everyone kept saying they're going to have to go through that gauntlet weeks 12 through 14, and it just became known as the gauntlet. Now, Raymond, I looked this up. The definition of gauntlet, because I was like, what is, the, what, is the, what is the true definition of gauntlet? And it means to go through an intimidating or dangerous crowd or experience in order to reach a goal. That's pretty badass. Yeah, exactly what happened. And then the second, yeah, the se- where it comes from is a mid-17th century English and Swedish tradition where a military punishment that you could receive is you'd have to run between two rows of men who are hitting you with sticks. Jeez. And that was called the gauntlet. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's rough. So I call this game The Gauntlet Begins. Vegas spread of this had San Francisco minus three. Green Bay Packers coming into town. They were eight and two. Niners were uh, nine and one during this game. Or ten and one? Were ten and one this game? I think we're nine and one. They were nine and one. Nine and one. Uh, This team, the first team in the gauntlet run, the gauntlet, was, of course, the Packers, a team whose number we have had all 
decade. And if you've been listening to a lot of the recaps we've done in the past three weeks, uh, this team has come up a lot. How much we have kicked their ass. We've had the, when we have had a record of over 500, they have been unable to beat us, and that has been very unpleasant for Mister Number Twelve, who who famously said in the draft that the 49ers would regret the day we didn't sign him, and he has never been able to beat us. He's never been able to beat a 49er team over 500 in his career. So, let's begin, Raymond. First quarter, Green Green Bay gets the ball on the opening drive, but it doesn't last last long. Fred Warner with the strip sack. Bosa recovers. First and goal. Once again, our main man, Fred Warner. Why he didn't make the Pro Bowls beyond me. I would have to look at the other middle linebackers, but Fred Warner should have easily been he there. He was a beast. Tevin Coleman scores on the next play, a two-yard run, and literally, 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 Green Bay unravels from here. <laughs> this is the, that that is that is about they they that one play that one play they they unravel from the get. The following drive ends in punts for both teams. Remember, everyone said we were going to go through this gauntlet run 0 and three. That is important. That is important to remember. And already, right at the beginning, we see Green Bay folding like a like an umbrella. Just boom, they're in. Roger's face, he looked he looked defeated. <laughs> and like after that strip sack, like, oh, this is gonna be a long day. Like that kind of facial expression, like, oh, oh man. yeah. Here here it comes. You know, because they knew they did a scouting report. They knew what they were up against. Their coach was a former coach of ours. Yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't enough. Uh Niners for uh they're forced to kick a field goal on the following drive. 10-0 San Francisco. Green Bay's defense is playing well. I will give them that. Playing lots of pressure to Jimmy G. Uh, second quarter, Green Bay's offense cannot get anything going. They get some, Niners get some mean hits. Jimmy Ward is everywhere. I almost called this the Jimmy Ward game. If it wasn't for the gauntlet, I would have called this one of those Jimmy Ward games again because he is everywhere. Uh, Green Bay, is they're making some headway? Early on, they're on the Niners 40, empty backfield. Rodgers jumps, drops back for a little dumb pass, and the receiver is immediately hit by Jimmy Ward. And I called this play one of those sit-down little boy moments. You remember that play? <laughs> he goes, hits him, just sit down, little boy. And then and Green Bay just sits down and goes, this is a man's game. This is a man's game, little boy. All right, fourth and one comes up. Rodgers hands off to Aaron Jones, and he is immediately stuffed just shy of a first down. Another huge Backbreaking play by the 49ers. They have done this all season. Stop teams when all they needed was a one-yard gain, and it will continue, and will end up saving the season later on, as we already know. Jimmy getting is, is getting hit as much as Rodgers, though. He is getting pummeled left and right. But one of my favorite plays of the game, Ray, occurs when Rodgers drops back and airs it out to Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Ward jumps up right on him, tackles him, and pushes the ball out of his hands in the process. Do you remember this one? The drive ends in a number, another punt. He just throws it, and, it, and Jimmy Graham has got it. And then Jimmy Ward just jumps on him and just whacks that ball out and then dives him to the ground. That was a badass play by Jimmy Ward. One of my favorites from him for the entire season. Yeah, totally. I remember that. Yeah, that was badass. Niners offense comes alive again with two back-to-back catches from Kittle on their ensuing drive. The, Na- the Niners are able to nab another field goal. Now it is 13-0 in favor of San Francisco. The final drive starts off with Mostert and a real strong run and then the dagger for the first half hits, which you might have been just, you might as well just call that the dagger for the game. Debo explodes for a 42-yard touchdown. Jimmy G to Debo Samuels. Minute minute five left in the half. 
20-0 San Francisco. And it only gets worse from here. Third quarter. Third quarter right here. Uh, face mask by Draylon Green midway through the third. Yeah, that yeah, that was uh, the defense was actually playing really well up until the very end of the second quarter, when mm-hmm. Debo Samuel just kind of took the life out of them. Like any any chance that they thought they would have, and 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 you're right. There, there's another one coming up where Green Bay gets a breath of life, and then San Francisco goes and stomps on their lungs. Yes. The face mask by Jerry Greenlock midway through the third helps put the Packers in the red zone for the first time of this game. Second and eight. Rodgers throws a quick pass over to Adams, who's immediately tackled at the ankles by Jimmy Jimmy Ward. Another killer play. Sherman gets called for unnecessary roughness, which gives Bray a fresh set of downs. Had this not happened, it probably would have just been three points and out. Devontae Adams scores and then catches the two-point conversion, 23-8. But at this point, little can be done. But, you know, hey, A for effort. Jimmy G answers right back with a huge 61-yard pass to George Kittle, who takes it all the way to the house. All the way. Boom. I love when he does the three fingers and he goes down. Uh, Niners traveled 75 yards in two plays, 57 seconds, 30-8. to You might as well wrap this sucker up. The final touchdown for the 49ers would come with 4.58 left in the fourth. Niners traveled 69 yards in 10 plays, eating up 6 minutes and 31 seconds on the clock in the fourth. Jimmy hands the ball off to Mostert, and he runs up the middle and scores their final touchdown of the game. Green Bay only scored one time in the third. Rodgers is held to 104 yards, passing the lowest of his entire career. His whole career. He's never done that poorly. Jimmy is errorless. Fred Warner all over the place on the day with 11 tackles. 49ers win 37-8. to And the first of the gauntlet is down. In a decisive victory. In a decisive victory. That that George Kittle play too. Uh, the the first pl- pass of that series was incomplete to Kendrick Bourne, so really it was one play, and that was the sixty one yard bomb to George Kittle, and it was a great great strike by Jimmy on that one too. Killer strike, killer killer strike. All right, Raymond, moving on to the middle and easily the most anticipated game of the gauntlet, Week Thirteen. At Baltimore, Vegas spread had Baltimore as the rare favorite, minus five and a half. I call this game the Super Bowl preview that wasn't. This was the biggest game of the year, the NFC number one NFC team versus the number one AFC team. Not only was it a Super Bowl matchup preview, people were saying this it might be the rematch of the 2012 Super Bowl. Everyone was already pegging that these two teams were going to meet each other again after facing each other eight years ago in the Super Bowl. Midway through the gauntlet, this was set to be one of the biggest battles of the year, and then it started raining. Raymond, break this day- game down for the people. Well... Just like we do during the regular season, the injuries were a factor here, I believe. I think had the injuries been a little bit different, I think the outcome of this game would have been different, which I think says more about our team and less about the Ravens, considering that we only lost by a mere field goal. However, once again, no Matt Breda, no Joe Staley, and no D Ford in addition to Quan Alexander. So now you're missing two key pieces on two levels of the defense 
and you're missing two key pieces on two levels of the offense. That was a big one to me. Mm-hmm. And this was more a defensive game because the elements were involved. There was lots of rain, albeit, I mean, similar to the Washington game, albeit to a lesser degree, the Niners were still able to pass and run more so than they did in the Washington game, which that game plan just went completely out the window for both teams, and they just defaulted to the running game because that's all you can really do when the elements are that strong. But I thought that the... Probably the best part of this game was the fourth and two call in the opening quarter. So the Niners first possession because the Ravens elected to kick off first so that they would get the ball back in the second half. And then on a fourth and two, Kyle Shanahan draws up. He draws up an intentional bomb to Debo Samuel, which is a 33 yard bomb. There was some aggressive play calling that I noticed throughout the season that became really conservative in the Super Bowl. And that's the same thing that Andy Reid used to do, which cost him a Super Bowl and many other playoff losses. And Kyle Shanahan's going to have to learn to walk that balance a little bit better than he did. Even though we had the lead going into the fourth quarter, there's some things that he could have done differently to build on that lead had he been a little bit more gutsy, and less conservative. But anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. But back to the main game. And this was the Lamar Jackson game. I thought Lamar Jackson had a pretty good game for the most part. He, of course, was terrific on the ground. Both of these teams ran the ball amazing. San, we were, San Francisco was actually more efficient. We had 29 carries, 29 rushes for 174 yards and one touchdown. Baltimore had 38 carries for 178 yards and one touchdown. Most of that really coming from Lamar Jackson, who I think amassed 101 yards. 105. Um, 105, yeah, 105 yards. Just because Mark Ingram... Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. 101. 101. Sorry. 101 rushing yards. 105 passing yards. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he's pretty even with, I mean, his rushing, rushing, 100 rushing yards is like a 300-yard passing day for for a quarterback, the equivalent. So Lamar Jackson's passing game was just, he only passed when he needed needed to for 23 attempts for 23 yards. Jimmy was similar, although he amassed more yardage and had a better rating, but Again, this really came down to, I thought, the run-pass option kind of gassed the Niners towards the end. And I, this was, uh, I, it's annoying to watch because I already know the outcome of the game. And so like I'm like reliving this like torturous pass where it's like, oh, I got to get through this because we're going to talk about it on the podcast, but I don't want to <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> this is my job. This is what we do. This is a gold yeah, dive. Yeah. This is a gold dive. <laughs> Yeah, well, we don't we don't normally do gold dives on games we lose either. So this is kind of a foreign territory for us. I know we don't we don't. But I mean, the fourth and two bomb to Debo Samuel in the first quarter was an amazing play and a gutsy call by by Kyle Shanahan. But you know, Baltimore answered right back with Jackson hitting Mark Andrews over the middle to tie the game at seven seven. And Andrews, if you guys, some of you guys may or may not remember, but Mark Andrews actually mocked Nick Bosa because I believe they went to the same college and he did the the flag taunt that Nick Bosa had done to, uh, what's his name? The Cleveland uh, to, Browns quarterback, uh, yeah. Baker Mayfield. Yes, Baker Mayfield. And so even though I was like, eh, 
it's kind of a it's like kind of whatever but uh but that was a kind of what whatever taunt but but it shows how important this game was to both teams they they each team knew at that moment i realized Baltimore is as conscious as the Niners are about the gravity of what this is. This was a this was mano a mano. This is like, okay, we're probably gonna have to face each other in the Super Bowl. So what's up? What's up? What you guys got? You know what I mean? Like we're come, we're gonna we're gonna go for your throat. You better come for ours. And I thought that that moment, I was like, yeah, Baltimore. Everyone understands exactly what this what the subtext of this game is. Yeah, exactly. And it was unfortunate. So the teams had a couple of back and forths after that. And then Jimmy fumbled the ball. Uh, he got strip sacked by Chuck Clark, and then Baltimore got the ball and scored scored again. And then they were up fourteen to seven at that point. It was you know kind of annoying, but uh, but then the Niners answered right back, and Raheem Mostert ended up getting a or no 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 I'm sorry the. Uh, that was uh the the strip sack was Baltimore's first score so that's seven points off turnovers key that's a key thing to keep in mind and then after that it was the Niners punted the ball back to Baltimore and then Baltimore marched down took a lot of time off the clock they actually put some really good because they run the ball so much they take up a lot of time off the clock and Lamar Jackson ended up scoring a one yard touchdown once again the pass option where they fake to Mark Ingram and then Lamar Jackson just goes into the end zone untouched. He, he fooled them on so many different plays with with that with the uh, the fake handoff and then he keeps it. And every now and then he would he would fake the keeper and Mark Ingram would get it and then Mark Ingram would get stuffed because your instinct for the most part is to go for the running back because rarely do quarterback. There's only a few quarterbacks that run the ball as effectively as Lamar Jackson. And he's so honest, good at hiding the ball. He's yeah, like, he, how many times do you see even, even, um, even the cameraman don't know where he's hiding the ball. And literally he, he, cause what he does, I've noticed this, that when he does that handoff, he will, he will put it in the, he'll put it in the running back's chest and let him move for like two or three steps and then pull it back out. And, and not a lot of other guys hand, hand, the hand off that fake that well. Like, that's why he that's why teams bite so hard because he literally, he'll put it in their chest and just let them move with it. He'll let them move with it, and then he'll slip it out right from behind them and then go, you know? And he does that a lot. And did you notice that Nick Bosa, he bit on that fake over and over and over again, like the whole game. He bit on it. Eric Armstead bit on it. I mean, all of our guys bit on it. But at the same time, Raheem Mostert was starting to show the amazing flashes. He had shown several up to this point, but then he had a big flash where he had a 40-yard touchdown run where for some reason Baltimore just did not account for him, and he just ran through everybody. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. And uh, I, you do, you're starting to see Mostert move into the lead back position that he would get into. The thing is, is that we talked about this before – all of our running backs are great, but none of them are really capable. Some of them at this point in their careers are really capable of carrying a full season's load. So you'll see stretches of weeks where like Tevin Coleman's a dude and then Matt Breed is the dude and now Raheem Mostert's a dude. And it just that's one of the great parts about having this running back by committee is that when these guys are banged up and not really capable of carrying the load, then the new guy steps in and he's the guy. 
It, it, it makes for... And, and the rotation keeps everyone fresh, too. Mm-hmm. It, it keeps for very frustrating fantasy, but excellent for real football, which is what I care way more about. Yes, absolutely. And then this game just got really... This game just kind of slipped away from the Niners really late in the game. It was it was neck and neck up to that point, but up until the very end is really when the game started to get away from it because it just became about field goals. The Raheem Mostert touchdown was the last touchdown of the game. It was, I think, what was it? Uh, it was um, 14-14, and that was nine minutes and 22 seconds into the second left in the second quarter. And then the Ravens would score another field goal and go up 17-14 at the half. And then there was only there was only two more field goals scored, scored, bleh, scored in the game. The Niners put up a Robbie Gold field goal, a 32-yarder in the third quarter to go up to tie the game 17-17. And then the infamous play where the Ravens got the ball back. And gosh, it, and then the, the, the Niners were so gassed at that point. And that, and that was the... Uh, well, the Niners went for it on fourth and one. That was that was the big. It was a turnover on downs. They tried to go over the middle for George Kittle, but Chris Womley had good coverage on George Kittle, and, and it just ended up going for an incomplete pass. And then after that, it was, you know, run, 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 run. You know, short passes, a few short passes, and then a bunch of runs by Baltimore, and they put themselves in position to kick a 49-yard field goal, which is a chip shot for Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker's one of the best kickers in the game. He had a Pro Bowl season this past year, and he was great. And they they waited a couple seconds for that to happen and let the let the game clock expire while the ball went through the uprights, which is something that we would do in the very next game to redeem ourselves from this very tough, tough loss wasn't an embarrassing loss. I, th- I thought both these teams played really well, but I thought that we were missing some key pieces on offense and defense that gave Baltimore a slight edge that ended up paying dividends as far as, you know, the win and loss column are concerned. Yeah, this game really pissed me off. But uh but uh but yeah, definitely, you know, you could hold your head high and be confident that uh we didn't look like no bitches out there. <laughs> All right, Raymond. Here it goes. Week 14 and the final game of the official gauntlet. But as I said at the uh, earlier in this gold dive, the gauntlet really begins and ends with Seattle. But the main event was these three games and the final game. What a game for the ages already. Even at the end of it, people were calling it the best game guess best game played of the season. And I would put it up there with Rams Chiefs of last year as just one of those classics that um, how can you just forget? It was such an incredible game. And this, of course, is week 14 at New Orleans. New Orleans was favored, Raymond. The Vegas spread had them minus three. And I just love that the final game was probably the biggest the baddest and had the most on the line for the Niners. This is Shanahan versus Peyton, Jimmy G versus Drew Brees, Niners and Saints in a classic matchup that dates all the way back to the Saints' time in the NFC West. You know, these teams used to be rivals. These two teams have taken part in some of the biggest games of the decade. And of course, I'm referring to 2011's 
the catch three, which was my on my top eleven list from the best games of the Bay Area. This was my number two as the most as the best game played in the last ten years, and this is on mo- many analysts' lists as the best playoff game of the decade. And here we are facing the Saints again, once again having to go through them in order to uh, maintain. NFC supremacy. Winner take all. The road to the Super Bowl possibly is happening right here. I call this game, Raymond, the gauntlet revealed. Or, a.k.a., when you come at the king, you best not miss. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as you I can probably it- already anticipate, <laughs> when you come yeah. at the king... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason I call it the gauntlet revealed is because famously after this game, when all was said and done, and, ma- and many people were saying on Twitter, it it was revealed after this three game, g- three games, the season, the NFL realized the Niners didn't go through the gauntlet. The Niners are the gauntlet. That was the best part. And that's why I call this game the gauntlet revealed. We were the gauntlet. So, Raymond, let's talk a little bit about first. Let's talk. I want you to break down some of the injuries because this is important. Drop some of the injuries because we still have some lingering injuries from the game before. And then I'll go through a breakdown of the game. But tell the people who was out for this game. So this is where I think the, the injuries really start to hurt us. So there was. Uh, Joukowsky Tart got injured in the previous game. That's a big piece, a, a really pivotal piece, a very complimentary to Jimmy Ward. So he's gone. You have Quan Alexander, who's been gone. That's been hurting us all year. And then Stale, Staley and Brady Breda returned. So that was the good news on offense. And then Ford, D Ford left in the second quarter because he had that nagging hamstring injury that was kind of bugging him off and on all year. And so he left. So the defense now officially has three pieces from each level, first, second, and third level, all missing in this game, In this game, which I think was a heavy contributor to the fact that this game ended up being a shootout. That's, that's my opinion. That's what I believe because there, there's a big difference between when those three players are there. Every player mattered. This defense played so well together throughout the entire season that you can just, there was just a big difference when you were missing a starter. But missing three starters at three different positions, I think that just had a huge, just took a big toll on the Niners' ability to be effective on defense the way they had been the previous, you know, 10 games up to that point, or 12 games, excuse me. And, uh, and that was uh, that was a big deal, and and so and that uh, that played out in this game. Absolutely. So Raymond, let's get Kittle was back too. Kittle was back too. That was huge. But I I thought Ross Dwelly did a a good job in his absence. He did. I really did. I thought he did a good job. Okay, so let's let's begin, Raymond, because this was quite the game. First quarter, Raymond. New Orleans Saints, they come out swinging. Jared Cook catches a 38-yard pass from Drew Brees and immediately puts seven on the board. But Jimmy comes out uh, comes out slinging on his first possession. He goes four, four or five and hits a six-yard touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. Niners tie up the game 7-7. But boom, again, 
The Saints answer back. Jared Cook again, this time a 26-yard pass from Drew Brees, and the two-point conversion fails, but still they're in the lead 13-7. Second quarter opens, and the Niners answer back immediately. Jimmy throws a bomb to Emmanuel Sanders, 75 yards, touchdown pass, one play, boom. Niners are right back in it. The Saints score again. They score again on a Drew Brees quarterback sneak and move up move up 27 to 14 but the Niners answer back with a flea flicker Emmanuel Manders Emmanuel Sanders to Mostert for a 35 yard touchdown Niners are now within one possession 27 21 That was a great play. That was a great play. Niners are uh, ni- And Sanders almost got sacked on that play too. He did. He got really close. It was very very close and it was just it's just a crazy trick play. I love this like you know flea flickers they're they're Really, they're really hit or miss, but they they really hit on this one. Yeah, they totally did. Absolutely, Niners take the lead at the end at the end of the half when Jimmy G hands off the ball to Raheem Mostert. Mostert takes it up the middle for a chef's kiss touchdown. That's why I call that one a chef's kiss touchdown. That's what that was. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Niners take the lead. The game is very close, twenty-eight to twenty-seven. So now here we are, third quarter begins okay Niners get the ball to start the third the drive ends with another one of Jimmy G's classic tipped balls it goes off of Manny Sanders hands and then is intercepted by the Saints but the Niners D comes on hard and forces New Orleans to kick a field goal 30-28 in favor of New Orleans that's that was one of those throws where could have easily been caught could have easily been caught I understand it was a little behind, but that could have resulted in a reception. I put that one on the receiver. Absolutely. Saints following drive. The Niners caused the second turnover of the game. DJ Jones pops the ball out of Kamara's hands. Kamara's going for the run. DJ Jones with the tackle. He knocks the ball out. This was a badass, super clutch play. Kamara does not fumble very often. That was a really good play. And again, once again, DJ Jones, when he's there, he makes his presence known. Killer clutch play by DJ Jones. Niners in New Orleans territory. Jimmy G hits Kittle with a beautiful outside slant. 35-30 in favor of San Francisco. The Saints will kick a field goal on their following drive to make it 35-33. Niners still in charge. Bosa comes up big on the following Saints drive, applying lots of pressure on Breeze. He kills the drive on third down, blocking a dump-off pass to Kamara. Once again, Bosa clutch. The, the his, his ability to get his hands on that ball when it's being thrown in the backfield is pretty nuts. He does that a lot. He's really good at that. Yeah, he is. He did that. Very He's very consistent about that all year long. So this is where... This is where they really, I think, the Saints really shot themselves in the foot. So Bosa Bosa blocks that dump-off pass, right, from Kamara. The Saints go for a fake punt. So they punt the ball. Taysom Hill, is is the, is, uh, he's the receiving the ball. Instead of setting it up, he gets up and he goes for this huge bomb. But the Niners are all over this. They're all over it. Uh, who was, do, do, do you remember who the receiver was? The Niners just they literally just pass interference. They, they jump on them. They push them. They throw them right out of bounds. And the Saints want there to be called. They want a pass interference to be called. But they can't call pass interference because there's no pass interference on punts or fake punts. 
which to me, I wrote down, what the fuck? <laughs> That's the weirdest rule ever. But I don't fully understand. Do you have any insight, Raymond, as to why when you go from a fake punt to a pass, why you can perform pass interference on special teams on these plays? Because I have no idea. I think it's a fair call because the defender doesn't know it's a fake punt. So he's going for the block, which on any other regular passing play would be pass interference. You can't put your hands on anybody past five yards. So the defender, unbeknownst to him, which was Emmanuel Mosley, by the way, he's going for the block. He's blocking the he's blocking the receiver downfield the way he's supposed to do on that assignment. And if that was the case, then people would do fake punts all the time because they know they would just get the easy pass interference call and get a first down. So I think it's a totally fair rule. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're you know right. what I mean? When you yeah. think about it. <clears throat> yeah, that's a good player call. Doesn't, the defender doesn't know. Yeah, that's a good call. Good. You're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So this 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 sets us up. Uh, we're now we're now deep into the fourth quarter, and the 49ers on the following drive end up going 14 plays, 55 yards, eat up about six minutes and 57 seconds, and it ends with Jimmy G and a six yard pass to Kendrick Bourne to put us in charge. 42-33, and just when you think the coast is clear, Raymond. Just when you think we're safe, nope. Drew Brees, 21-yard pass to Michael Thomas. Boom, they're right back in it. Touchdown again, 42-40. Niners still in charge. Now, here is where it gets super tight. Niners hit a field goal. That puts us up 45-40. Witherspoon almost kills the next St. Drive. The next St. Drive, Breeze throws it right at him. Witherspoon catches it, bobbles it, and drops it. And I thought we had it. I thought the game was over because Breeze is like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, uh, Russell Wilson. You give that guy a minute and 50 seconds left and they're only down by one possession, he's going to make you pay. And if it's less, and if they have to score more than three points to win, oh, forget about it. These guys are so clutch at this. And Witherspoon was always just kind of one step behind in the second half of the season where he just just seemed to be one step behind from either making making the right play or making the best play. Mm-hmm. So here we are. It, it What ends up happening is Drew Brees throws an 18-yard pass to Traycon Smith. Traycon Smith gets past Warner. Witherspoon goes for the strip and fails. Smith scores and hits another touchdown. touchdown. Now the Saints are up. 46 to 45. They go for the two point conversion, but miss. Here we go. Niners back with the ball. Fourth and two. 39 seconds left. Probably the biggest play of the year for George Kittle. Jimmy G connects with Kittle on fourth and two, and he goes for 39 yards. And he would have scored a touchdown. He would have scored a touchdown if it wasn't for a face mask. The defender literally had to grab his face and pull him to the right just to hold on to him. That ends up in a 15-yard penalty, which turns this 39-yard play into a 54-yard play on a do-or-die, all-or-nothing. The Niners, they basically down the ball with two seconds left. Robbie Gould kicks a field goal. We do, as you mentioned, we do to the Saints, what the what the Ravens have done to us, and that's kick a field goal to see the clock go off and Niners win 48-46. to 46. Yeah, so no chance of a comeback, baby. No chance of a comeback, baby. Any final thoughts on this game, Raymond? Because this was a masterful, masterful game. Uh, the most exciting game of the season by far. 
Yeah. We now end the gauntlet two and one. And as I mentioned, we, we it was now revealed that the Niners didn't go through the gauntlet. They were the gauntlet. If the NFL wasn't put on notice before, they are 100% put on notice now. Uh, and just for all you Jimmy G haters, uh, 349 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He was 26 of 35. Get like me. <laughs> Get on my tip. Get on my tip. Where have you been? I've been here all day. That's right. All day. All day on this train. Okay, Raymond, let's move on. Week 15, this is kind of like that Washington game where uh, frustrating, not you know, not a whole lot. Vegas had us as the favorites by 10.5, and, and this was the game that you and I were waiting for. I call this game the Admiral Akbar game. Raymond, tell the people why I call this the Admiral Akbar game. Because it's a trap. It was a trap. It was a trap game. So, Raymond, briefly break down this game for us so we can move on to the final two games of the season. Oh, my God. Why I get stuck with these shitty losses is <laughs> yeah, beyond me. It's a 50-50 shot <laughs> between both of us, <laughs> whether we get to commentate on these. But, uh, alas, it, it must be done. The show must go on. <laughs> Keep it quick. Keep it quick for yourself. <laughs> this game was... I mean, once again, again, no Tart, no no Quan Alexander, no D Ford, Blair and Jones out for the season. So you're missing two key rotational players and three key starters. So you're missing five defenders on the defensive side of the football. That is huge, absolutely huge. The offense is there, but the offense is flat. Both these teams came out flat. There was actually no scoring until the second quarter, and that was a Raheem Mostert two-yard two touchdown run. And... And at that point, it was 10-all, at, at, or, or actually, it ended up, the, the halftime ended with a 10-10 tie. And then the 49ers would shut out Atlanta in the third quarter and only came away with a field goal themselves. And then they would punt the ball in their next possession. And then Ross Dwelly would knock the ball out, and Kyle Juszczyk would recover it and get to the two-yard line. And then Juice would, a.k.a. Juice, would then get a two-yard touchdown reception from Jimmy. And the Niners would actually build a lead and go up 19-10, one-third into the fourth quarter. But then they just started to let Atlanta hang in there. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were just missing a lot of defenders and just could not stop Atlanta when they needed to stop them the most. I think, again, had they had the full squad there, Atlanta would have not gotten away with this win. Maybe it would have been a close one just because Atlanta's got good pieces offensively, not so much defensively. And they played much better the second half than they did the first half. They went one and seven in the first half and then played much better in the second half. They only won. I think they won like they were like four and three or something like that or four and two. I forget. But they, they played a lot better, much, much more to their potential, their expected potential going into that season. And sure enough, I mean, they went into a no huddle to drive all the way down against a banged up 49ers defense that couldn't hold Atlanta's offense, especially Julio Jones, even though they played him well at times. And Jimmy Ward just came up inches short from getting a magnificent stop. It wouldn't have been the stop that's coming up, but it certainly would have been a memorable stop nonetheless, given the nature of how it, it the, the play was as a bang-bang play at the goal line. 
but it literally, it literally inches separated us from winning this game versus losing this game. And then eventually we were in the same position that Arizona was in several games back where we did a desperation Hail Mary lateral play on the ensuing kickoff. We lost the ball and then Atlanta got it and ran a touchdown in at the very end. And it made the score look more embarrassing than it actually than it actually was. And ended up becoming twenty nine to twenty two. God, what a shitty game. So glad we're done with that. <laughs> we are. So let's move on, Raymond. Last thing though, one thing. Do you notice? Uh, do you notice a trend with all of these games leading all the way to, unfortunately, the Super Bowl? A lot of the games we lost, we were in the lead. We had them. We had them by the balls, and then it's a fourth, a late fourth quarter collapse that would haunt us in all these games, and that unfortunately went pretty far for us. So uh, anytime, any, many of these losses kind of all similar circumstances and inability for the offense to continue its uh continue putting points on the board about midway through the fourth. Yeah, totally. And and there was and key key injuries in all those games. Those injuries matter. Injuries matter. Absolutely. So here we are, Ray. Let's move on to week 16. I'm also going to keep this one very short and sweet because I really want to give Raymond the focus for the final game of the year, the closeout of the gauntlet. But let's go to week 16. We were home for the L.A. Rams, and Vegas again had us as minus 6.5 favorites. The Rams come into this game basically fighting for their playoff uh, playoff lives. A loss this week would have eliminated them and their chances of making the playoffs. I call this game, Raymond, oh so sweep. <laughs> oh so sweep. That's a great one. Oh, so sweet. Thank you. Uh, this game had a lot of back and forth. Uh, pretty high scoring game. Rams come out early with an early lead, uh, 14 to 3. And then slowly the Niners would creep up and would end up taking the lead by the end of the second quarter, 24 21. But then Mr. Cooper Cup. Mr. Cooper Cup of fantasy fame, one of my favorite fantasy players, he uh, who I think is now going to be replaced by Debo Samuels, but uh, as the new, uh, the new young monster in the NFC West, he catches a huge 22-yard pass from Jared Goff to regain the lead, 28-24. But once again, once again, George Kittle coming through in the clutch and really, really got going in the second half of the season and on seven-yard pass from Jimmy G to retake the lead, 31-28. Greg Zerline ties the game with a field goal, 31-31. Robbie Gould closes out the game with a 33-yard field goal after a nine-play, uh, nine-play, 60-yards series. Boom, 34 31 in favor of Robbie Gould and the 49ers win 34-31 and we eliminate the Rams from the playoffs. We sweep the Rams. Bye-bye. See you later. Deuces. Now, Raymond, let's move on. I just want to hit this final game and I want to give the floor to you. You know, you might have had the stinkers, Ray, but you have what I had in my top 11 as one of the greatest games of the last 10 years and the final gate of the gauntlet Vegas spread had us at minus three. And Raymond, I find it fitting that in the 100th season of the NFL, the final game of that 100th year, the final game of the season, the final game airing on television, 
would be would feature the 49ers and their rivals, the Seahawks. This is the greatest NFC rival, the greatest NFL rivalry of the past 10 years. And this game, the winner would take first place and get the quote-unquote easiest road to the Super Bowl. The loser would take fifth place and have to go on to face the third seed in this one. Not only did not only were the chips stacked against us, we had to go into Seattle, a city we had not won in since 2013. And as I mentioned before, if the gauntlet began with Seattle, it is only fitting that it ends here in Seattle. And Raymond, the first game against Seattle I called Ric Flair's Dirty Underwear. This one I call Ric Flair's Golden Spoon. Because <laughs> he, he ate every meal with a golden spoon. Absolutely, golden spoon in his mouth. So, Raymond, let us know what happened. To the promised land. This was the, as you pointed out, the battle for the West, the battle for the conference, a winner-take-all game. Still no Tart, still no Alexander, still no Ford, and, of course, no Ronald Blair and no DJ Jones. So, pivotal pieces missing. But we're at home, and we have an important game, which means that everyone's enthusiasm and focus is a little amped up. And I thought that that was very, very evident in this game, especially early on. The Niners dominated the first half, going up 13 to nothing. Although 13 to nothing against Russell Wilson is not a healthy lead. And sure enough, the Seahawks would. And by but by the way, that was a that was a, a 30 yard rushing touchdown by Debo Samuel, the one where he does the infamous spin halfway through it and barely barely stays in bounds on that amazing play Debo Samuel just amazing whether he's running the ball or whether he's catching the ball he just I just can't wait to see what he's going to do this season I think he's easily going to amass a thousand yards receiving and if we ran the ball I mean if he ran the ball as much as our running backs did he could easily, you know, do a Roger Craig and go for a thousand, a thousand. Uh, I believe he's that good. He he ran the ball just as well as he caught the ball. But nevertheless, the Seahawks would answer back in the third quarter after we built a thirteen point lead. So that was two field goals by Robbie Gold, and in the first one, by the way, it was forty seven yards. So Robbie Gold really showing that range on that foot there and that consistency. He would hit from 47 and 30 yards in the first half before the Seahawks would answer with a Tyler Lockett catch and touchdown, 14 yards from Russell Wilson. But then, again, the Niners would respond with their own score. And, again, this is this was just, I felt like uh, this game was equally as tight as the previous game i thought it was a bit more physical than the last game because the last the previous matchup because there was more at stake and i felt that both teams despite the fact that seattle was really banged up going into that game the niners defensively were really banged up going into that game i just thought that that was that was you know they both played well despite the odds and the handicaps going into that game both teams played as if you know it was all or nothing which is great that's what you want to see especially with this particular matchup but after the the Tyler Lockett touchdown the Niners would go on their own drive and it was really only a handful of plays and it was great 
Jimmy threw to Kyle Juszczyk for 49 yards, big chunk play. Raheem Mostert would get a couple carries and would eventually get into the the end zone for another score, and we'd go up 19-13. The, they would try for a two-point attempt with Kendrick Bourne, but it did fail. I'm surprised they didn't review that play because it looked, it looked kind of tight and bang-bang to me. So I'm not sure what happened there. I thought it also looked bang bang to me. Like I actually thought, unlike the final play at the end, I I, I thought I thought he broke the plane. It did look like like he could have just barely got in there, and that's all it really take. That's all it really takes. So uh, kind of odd that they didn't do that. But then Seattle would go on a really long drive after that, and would take up not only the remainder of the third quarter, but also a over a third of the fourth quarter with the next drive. And it was just a bunch of different passes, mostly passing plays, a few runs because Seattle's running game was was okay. I thought uh, the 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 young kid, the rookie Homer, played well for the most part. He averaged six yards a carry. But I thought Russell Wilson had the most important runs of the night because those were the runs that kept plays alive. They were off script plays. And most of the time you're dealing with less defenders when you have a late off script running play by the quarterback, because a lot of your secondary is downfield with the receivers. So you're only going to have to deal with for maybe half the first and half the second level defenders. Unless of course you have really fast, good defenders like we do that can close in on the ball fast. But I thought that Russell Wilson had the more important runs. But again, they gave it to Marshawn Lynch, who they marched all the way down to the goal line. And I thought that they did really good uh, up to this point. And it was, but then they got a defensive holding that really set them back. And God, and 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 even even up to that play, there was a Russell Wilson pass to Tyler Lockett for six yards, and then Kawan Williams tackled Tyler Lockett, and he fumbled. But the ball went out of bounds at about the San Francisco 11. And unfortunately, they were obviously retained possession there. But then there was a holding penalty that gave Seattle a fresh set of downs. And on the very two plays later, they gave it, or the, the very next play, they gave it to Marshawn Lynch, who dove in for the touchdown. And Marshawn Lynch was only there because Seattle had lost all three of their starting running backs up to that point. And they were just desperate. So they called a retired player and said, hey, do you mind coming over here? You're familiar with the the team. You're familiar with the fans. It'll be great for you. It'll be great for us because we need you and we got nobody else. So Marshawn said, okay, cool. I'll, I'll bring a bag of Skittles and I'll play. And uh, and he, to be to be honest, he looked he looked bad. He looked like a retired player. He looked like outside of the, the leap for the touchdown. And he had like maybe one 10-yard run or nine-yard run. I can't remember. But he was a shell of himself. And they had no rushing game outside of him. And any play he was involved with as far as rushing was concerned was just a wash. It was horrible. But the Niners would then get the ball back, of course. And Raheem Moster got 13 yards. Jimmy passed to George Kittle for another 16 yards. Matt Breida got six yards on the next run. And then they had a negative. They got stuffed in the next play. But then Jimmy Jimmy threw a deep pass to Debo Samuel for 21 yards. That was amazing. Then we took a timeout. And then, of course, Raheem, Raheem Mostert got, went up the left side through the guards and got a 13-yard touchdown. And we got an extra point. And that was a big one. That was a big one because that was in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter. Only five minutes, 50 seconds remaining up to that point. And that score by Raheem Mostert put us up 26-14. to 14. 
So we're like, we you're doing you're sitting pretty with two possessions there. But of course, Russell Wilson would do Russell Wilson like things, and then he would get uh, a 14-yard touchdown pass to DK Metcalf. And one thing that stood out to me, and again, just like how Fred Warner stood out to me and Jimmy Ward's play stood out to me, I got a closer look at Witherspoon, who just continued to struggle against winning his coverage battles. He just struggled all the time. And he gave up he gave up the first Seattle touchdown. But by the time DK Metcalf came in in the fourth quarter, Witherspoon had gotten benched. He he got benched right around this time because he it was an incomplete for DK Metcalf, which was defended by Akella Witherspoon, so he did well on that play. But then he's the one that gave up the DK Metcalf touchdown with 14 yards late in the fourth quarter. And after that, they're like, all right, we've had enough of you. And then he got benched. I feel bad because I like Akella Witherspoon. They drafted him, so they obviously believe in him. But after that, Emmanuel Mosley came in and said, and he covered him for the, remaining, the, rem- the remainder of the game. And Emmanuel Mosley didn't exactly do – he did okay. I thought he did better overall because the Niners got the ball back. But we were it was a three and out, and we gave the ball right back. And then Russell Wilson came down. Emmanuel Mosley actually gave up a 10-yard pass to DK Metcalf. And then DK Metcalf gave up a 24-yard pass. Or Emmanuel Mosley gave up a 24-yard pass to DK Metcalf. And it was DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was all over the last drive. It was crazy. And he caught one for 10 yards caught one for 24 yards and then they tried to do a short pass but then Emmanuel Mosley got the best of them so he got and it was and it was two incomplete passes too which was a combination of pressure and Emmanuel Mosley so Emmanuel Mosley did better he didn't give up the big play outside of the 24 yard bomb but then they uh they just kept at it Seattle kept at it kept at it and then they go to the goal line and this was it this was this was the, the biggest moment of the game and there was the tension was high. Everything was coming down to the line. Less than less than a minute left on the clock. And then this was the weirdest sequence from the Seattle perspective. So Seattle gets to the goal line. It's first and goal. They spike the ball to stop the clock on the first play. The second down, they take super long to get the play called and line up and get a delay a game flag. They lose five yards. So now they're back. And they get back to now it's second and five on the San Francisco five versus second and one on the San Francisco one. They throw an incomplete pass to Tyler Lockett, which is defended by Marcel Harris. Then on third and five, Russell Wilson throws again intended for Jacob Hollister. That's an incomplete pass. Then on fourth and five on the San Francisco five, they throw again a short pass over the middle to Jacob Hollister. This time he catches it. He runs four yards. He gets four yards, and then Dre Greenlaw comes in. The the spirit of San Francisco of old comes in wearing number 57, just like, I forget the name. Who was the name of the guy that did the first stop? Dan Buns. Dan Buns. Yes. Dan Buns comes in, the spirit of Dan Buns, who's still alive. But the spirit of Dan Buns was alive, uh, was also inside of Dre Greenlaw and he makes this what is known now as the stop two on the goal line. So succeeding in what 
Jimmy Ward failed to do, and Jimmy, his failure was within inches, really. I mean, you have Julio Jones against Jimmy Ward. There's a significant size difference there that obviously favors Julio Jones. But in this case, you have Jacob Hollister against Drake Greenlaw, and Drake Greenlaw has the matchup size advantage here. And sure enough, it paid dividends for getting the stop two. And of course, the clock then, Jimmy, they, they get the ball back on the one-yard line, and they do a sneak up the middle, Jimmy Garoppolo for two yards. Time expires. Niners win the West. They win the first seed in the division and get a much-needed break by heading into the playoffs. And I couldn't think of a better way, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, a better way to end the regular season than with the climactic, dramatic finish to this victory over the Seattle Seahawks. It was such an epic victory it comes down to the final play in the final seconds once again seattle all they have to do is cross the one yard line to get what they want and once again it is taken from them most famously by the new england patriots in the 2014 super bowl and then uh, or 2013 super bowl i always get the years mixed up on on these because it always goes across over two years and then now second most famously by the 49ers. The gauntlet closes. The f- the 49ers have assumed complete control of the entire NFC and now they were the one seed. Yes. With with a with a with a with a team with a fake ass mascot and a fake ass twelfth player. Yeah, fake ass twelfth player. You know what? You know what, Raymond? I've said this many times. I'll say it many more times. You know what I appreciate about the city of San Francisco and the San Francisco 49ers? What? What is it? That my professional football team doesn't need the crowd to win them games. They have 11 players on the field, and that's all they need, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I don't have to cheer so loud that uh, that it confuses the other team because my team doesn't need my help because they're professional football players. They're professional men. That's right. They don't need people cheering to help them. That's what I love. I'm proud of it. You should never be proud of that, Seattle. They didn't even invent that, by the way. They stole that, and then, had, then they got, almost got sued for it which is a whole nother thing. But uh, Raymond, thoughts, final thoughts on this game before we wrap up. Obviously, we will be going into the playoffs on our final gold dive. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be covering the playoffs in depth, and we'll also be going over our gold dive awards. We always give awards out for these gold dives. We'll be doing them for this team. But the, the, any final thoughts for what was a great season? Great season. I have no complaints. This, the season from weeks one through seventeen. What a roller coaster! What an incredible journey! And I, I, it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing season. Yeah, and, and when you break down the three losses, all three of those losses could have been won. They all came down to one possession, and and really, you know, a, a field goal. They, they, each one of those could have been won with a field goal. Or, or you take away one mistake, or one or two players are healthy that game. It wasn't, they weren't, Niners never got blew out the entire game, the entire season. They never got blown out. It was always close game, down to the wire. I mean, garbage time points, sure, but the Niners were never beaten to a pulp by another team. They, they really just had just some unfortunate, uh, just a few, less than a handful of unfortunate events that led to some losses. They could have easily won 
all three of those games and swept the season. Absolutely, but I'm glad they didn't because that's so trap gamey. You know what I mean? It is. I mean, it can go either way. It's 50-50. It's, uh, I mean, the odds seem a little bit steeper of winning every single game, but anything can happen any given Sunday. Absolutely. Overall, a tremendous season. Uh, I'm really glad we did that. I thought that was uh, that was really good. That was really good. So good job, Raymond. And so what say you, Goldcast Nation? Let us know. Go down to YouTube.com slash the Goldcast and let us know what you think about the second half of our Gold Dive, weeks 9 through 17, where the real drama was. Let us know in the comments. Tell us what you think. Tell us what your favorite moments are. What What did you like most? What was your favorite game? Let us know in the comments. YouTube.com slash the Goldcast. We will be back next week with the final edition of this. We'll also be back with a NFL draft review episode. That's coming up. And then we're also next week, they won't be all coming out next week, but we are recording more Gold Dive episodes, this time focusing on the Warriors and the Giants with our boy, our third co-host, Candlestick Will. He will be back. We are doing more Gold Dive episodes, but now, after this, we're turning the focus on the Warriors and the Giants. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. This is, is the Gold Cast.